This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of PlantYourself.com and the Big Change Program with Josh Lajani. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a hot and healthy life. A couple of quick things before we get to today's interview. The Big Change Program reopens on September 18th, 2017. That's a Monday at 9 a.m. If you want more information about it, go to bigchangeprogram.com. We've revamped it considerably from the last two iterations. We've learned a lot from those uh, experiences and those folks, and it's going to be better and bigger and more effective and more fun than ever with lots of new technologies that we've discovered that are helping us get our message across and get you to make big changes in your lifestyle. You can check it out at bigchangeprogram.com. You can also sign up there for a test drive and you'll get a few days and then you'll be alerted when we open up the doors. Second thing, somebody asked me if I would offer laser coaching a la carte for individual sessions. They didn't have the money to sign up for a whole year at a couple thousand bucks and I thought I would give it a try. I don't know if it's going to work out, but I'm willing to give it a try. So if you're interested in one session or three sessions or a pack of six, you can go to plantyourself.com slash laser. And there's a little link at the top of that page, which will take you to an order form where you can get one of those numbers of coaching sessions. If you aren't familiar with laser coaching and how it works, you should read the whole page, plantyourself.com slash laser. But instead of signing up for the full year, you can then go back to the top and click on that link and get one or three or six sessions. I will say this is an experiment. It's going to be limited to see whether it works for me. And I uh, reserve the right to pull the offer at any time. Okay, let's get to today's show. I'm finding myself confused because I thought that I had already published this because as soon as I finished recording it, I sent it to so many people saying, you've got to listen to this because these insights will change your life. And I'm thinking specifically of the people I know with autoimmune disease, uh, with lupus, with rheumatoid arthritis, with Crohn's, colitis, all all those types of things, but also people who have been struggling with their weight, people who have been struggling with lethargy in the morning or later in the day. And so I'm so happy to be releasing this publicly so that everyone can benefit. My guest is Dr. Brooke Goldner. When she was 16 years old, she was told by her doctors that she probably had about six months to live. Her lupus, which is a chronic autoimmune condition that commonly attacks joints and skin, had gone after her kidneys. And it really didn't look like they and she could be saved. And thankfully for her and for the rest of us, the weekly chemotherapy worked well enough to really stomp on her immune system, and it gave her kidneys and the rest of her a break, and it allowed her to grow up and have a fairly normal life, although quite limited in a lot of the experiences that she could have and in the discomfort that she would get when she overexerted. But she decided that however short her time on this planet, she was going to make it count, And she went to med school, despite warnings from her doctors that that stressful lifestyle could trigger debilitating relapses, which occurred, and yet she persevered. And through a series of events worthy of a fortune cookie, a romance novel, and a Hallmark Channel movie rolled into one, she eventually married a celebrity fitness trainer, Thomas Tadlock. And as she said during our conversation, 
I thought I would wear a white coat, but never a white dress. So it's a crazy story, and it's really fun. And Dr. Goldner tells it in the interview, so I'm not going to give it away here. But the other thing is that we talked about this hyper-nourishing diet that worked for Dr. Goldner, basically cured. And I have to put that in quotes so the FDA doesn't come after me, but basically, quote, cured, unquote, her lupus. And she has been using this protocol with her own autoimmune patients and clients for years and getting incredible results. And I have started doing it myself. I've shared it with Josh Lajani, who's doing it. And we're both experiencing new levels of health, fitness, and vitality. And this is something that I want for you as well. So without further ado, Dr. Brooke Goldner, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. So your story is really inspirational. Uh, when, I, when, I was, when I was reading about it, I was like, boy, we're, we're, we're lucky you're even here, right? Yes, let, let alone so practicing cool. medicine. Why, why don't we start with, with that for folks who, who haven't read your profile on Forks Over Knives or aren't familiar or haven't seen you in, uh, in some documentaries. Why don't you give us a, the, the short version of you know, your, your health ups and downs through, uh, through childhood and early adulthood. You want a short version of my life story. Okay. Yeah, well, you can make it long. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, yeah, when I was 16 years old, I was diagnosed with something called lupus. And I was told at the time that I only had probably six months to live because the lupus had attacked my kidneys so aggressively. I was already in stage four kidney failure. And they thought within six months, my kidneys were going to completely shut down and I'd end up on dialysis or I might not make it if I just did the usual medications at the time. And so I was put on extremely aggressive uh, medical regimen that was experimental at the time, using chemotherapy to try to shut my immune system off to try to save my kidneys and my life. Because, you know, lupus is an autoimmune disease. So for people who aren't aware of it, where your immune system stops functioning and it thinks it doesn't recognize what's you and what's not you, right? So your, your immune system usually is supposed to recognize bad guys that aren't supposed to be there and get rid of them, right? So you get an infection, kills the bacteria. That's one of its jobs. But in autoimmune disease, your body gets so inflamed that it can no longer tell the difference, self, non-self, and it starts attacking your own organs. And lupus can affect the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, even the brain. And so at the time, it had attacked my kidneys. So in addition to the usual symptoms of arthritis and rashes and terrible migraines, I also was in kidney failure. So I was put on this chemotherapy experimentally. And, you know, they weren't sure how much to use at the time. They use chemo now. You might have heard Selena Gomez got chemotherapy for lupus. And it's usually a couple of weeks, but I was put on it for two years straight. So for 16 to 18 years old, I had to take chemo mm -hmm. to try to shut my immune system off to keep me alive. So were you still in school at that point? I was in high school. Absolutely. And still like, going to classes? and Yeah. Yeah. So I usually tried to have chemo on Friday so that at most I would miss just Monday which really, you know, that kind of cuts into your social life as a teenager, but it was, you know, anything I could do to stay in school and to keep moving forward. You know, my family, there wasn't a question of, are you going to finish high school or anything like that? It was, okay, you've got AP chemistry exam on Tuesday, you have chemo Friday, when are you going to study? So I was constantly, you know, whenever I felt healthy, I would just read my textbooks. So I was ahead of the class actually in the textbooks because anytime I felt okay, I would just study 
because I never knew when I'd be too sick to study. If I got a migraine, I'd be out for four days vomiting and in pain. If I, you know, the chemo, I wasn't able to eat because I was throwing up and feeling so sick. So, you know, I had to figure out how to stick with my schoolwork and excel at what I was doing there. Um, but, you know, while still going through all the treatments. And, you know, I really think that's part of what kept me going is my mom's insistence on me planning my future rather than me focusing on the illness that I was dealing with at the time. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because your behavior doesn't sound like someone who believes they have six months to live, <laughs> right? especially right. As, a, as like a 16, 17 year old. Right. And right? I don't I mean, think there's any teenager that really believes that they're going to die. Right. So it didn't, you know, I never felt real to me that I was going to lose my life. And my family did not ever talk about that as a, as a reality. It was, you're going to do what your doctors say and you have an exam coming up when you're going to study for it and when you're going to do your college applications. And, you know, so I, and, and I actually use that a lot to help my current clients and patients where I tell them, you know, what you're going through is an obstacle. Uh, it's a challenge, but you have a purpose in this world that's greater than that challenge. And if you keep your heart and your mind focused on what your purpose is and what you want to do in this world, it'll help you overcome what you're going through in the moment. And that's what my focus was. And, and one of the things that helped me, too, was, you know, I really started getting interested in health and biology. And that intellectualization was a really good defense mechanism for me because I thought, well, if I really understand biology well, maybe I can be a scientist that can help find the cure for lupus or other diseases and help other people. So I made it kind of an intellectual thing mm -hmm. to not have as much of, you know, not think about the emotional impact. And, you know, it, it worked well for me, but as strong as my mom was to my face, I still could hear her in her room crying at night. She never did it in front of me. But I could hear it. And there was one point where I saw my grandmother on her knees begging God to take her and spare my life. And, you know, so for my family, this was just an extraordinary, painful experience. Um, but, yeah, it was just always a focus on the future. And if I ever complained, my mom could say, hey, it could be worse. we got to go with what we have. And there were moments when I went, really? <laughs> worse? What do I want to do? But she was right. You know, I could walk. I could talk. I could study. I could think. I could sing you know, I could plan. And so mm. I figured that whatever time I had, you know, no one knows how much time they have to live. None of us knows. And so if I could make whatever time I had meaningful, and for me, meaning comes from helping others. I was born to help people. I absolutely love to do it. I've been volunteering in hospitals since I was 14. Um, you know, I just love helping people. So I thought if I study to be a doctor and I help people the way my doctors help me, then my life was worth it. And whatever I went through meant something. And that's all I really cared about. So I figured whether I lived to 20 or whether I lived to 50, uh, you know, that was up in the air. But I did have control over what I did with my life while I was still here. Uh, it's, it's so wonderful to hear that, you know, full circle. Like you, you say, you started out thinking about medicine as an intellectualization, almost as a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. And now you can tell your patients about your purpose being greater than your challenge. And, you know, I could say that anyone can say those words, but very few people can have the, the heart and the yeah. felt experience and the, and the cellular truth of it the way you can. So it's almost like you started out sort of intellectualizing and now you're really able to bring, you know, your full being. In, into into those words to make them anything but an intellectual statement. Absolutely. You know, it's 
one of the greatest gifts that I have in my life now that, you know, I'm completely healthy. And so I was able to reverse the lupus when I was 28 with my husband, uh, completely using a diet, a nutrition protocol. And since then, you know, to be able, this year will be 13 years that I'm completely lupus free. And it completely changed what kind of doctor I am. I mean, I actually healed during my intern year of my residency. So here I am newly out of medical school. I went on this nutrition program because I was engaged to Thomas Tadlock. He's, he was a celebrity trainer already back then. And he wanted to marry me sick. You know, that was an extraordinary thing for me that I'd never planned on in my life. I never planned for a white dress. I planned for a white coat. That's what I was excited about. <laughs> I didn't know that anybody was going to want to marry me. I mean, I was told I could never have children, um, you know, that I probably wouldn't live a long life. And that, I, you know, lupus is progressive. So you usually become disabled before you die, you know. And so who's going to sign up for that, right? So I just never let myself really plan for that, although I did have a lot of love in my life. Um, I was focused on the white coat, but when I met my husband, I was actually finishing up medical school. I was in my fourth year of medical school. I got sick in medical school because um, with autoimmune disease, if you don't get enough sleep or you have too much stress, you can trigger the lupus again. So I had gone into remission after chemo, but then medical school brought it back. You know, I was working 100-hour weeks <laughs> I was under extraordinary stress. And uh, I actually ended up having um, TIAs, uh, mini strokes. I was sending blood clots into my brain and I was getting double vision and I collapsed in one of the clinics and it was really severe. And so um, I was lucky it wasn't a permanent stroke, but uh, they told me at that time, you know, you're going to have to take blood thinners for life. You can't have children and you'll die of a stroke. You can't, you know, and I knew now that I was finishing medical school, really how severe the illness was. I mean, when I was diagnosed at 16, we didn't have the internet. Can you believe it? Like there was no internet. Um, so there was no Google. So I only knew about my disease, what my doctors told me, what my family told me. Um, my mom got me a book. I started reading it. It was too depressing and I got rid of it. Um, so, but that's all I knew. Nowadays, everybody can Google and get freaked out. Um, but as a burgeoning doctor, I was just finishing my last year, I knew all about the disease and exactly how it worked and exactly what my future held. And so when I started having, you know, the mini strokes, I was just, oh, I did take about two weeks to cry. I got to tell you that, you know, I'm a positive person. But there was about two weeks of like, really, you know, I'm two weeks away, you know, I'm, I'm a, a less than a year away from graduating medical school. I'm about to start living my dream. And now, now I'm going to start having this. Um, so I let myself cry for about two weeks. And then I went, you know what? What the heck? I I'm still here. I'm still going to graduate medical school. There's still a medicine that could save my life. What am I crying about? I live the best life anyone can imagine. The fact that I get to go on to live the dream I've had since I was a child. How many people get to do that? And I went back to that place of gratitude that I've always lived in. And that's when I met my husband. And, uh, you know, when you wanted to get married, I had to fill him in, though. Like, listen, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to live long. You're going to end up taking care of me. I can't have your children. You know, I, this is not really something most 28-year-olds want to sign up for. So I understand if that's not what you want. And he said, I'd rather have a short life with you than a lifetime with anyone else. And so I said, let's get married. So, wow. that, yeah, I mean, he but This sounds like a, a movie adaptation of a John Green novel. <laughs> You know, there, I've had many people ask me about a documentary in my life, and there's been some interest from filmmakers, too. Um, but it sounds almost surreal even when I say it. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, this is very, it's very cliched, I've got to say. <laughs> my life is a cliche. Yeah, it's like a Hallmark movie. Um, right. I've been on the Hallmark Channel, love the Hallmark Channel. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> but it really, you know, but that's, that's really what happened. And so I went on, he, we got engaged, I was sick. 
Um, but we wanted to elope to Maui with just some of our best friends and our parents and my husband's sister, just very close people. And um, I wanted to go on his celebrity diet so I could look hot at my wedding. You know, people want to know how I was so brilliant that I found a cure for lupus, that it, I, wasn't, I was a vain person about to get married who wanted to look great in my wedding dress. I, I, I had no, <laughs> you know, I had just spent all that time in medical school learning that nutrition had nothing to do with disease. I didn't suddenly figure that out, you know? So, um, yeah, I went on his diet, but his diet still, it was very, he, his expertise, he's a scientist as well. He went to Carnegie Mellon as well. And his, he really understands how, um, cellular science works in terms of increasing metabolism. And if you can get a fast metabolism, then if you exercise, you can build muscle or lose fat really rapidly. Right. So I wanted that. And, um, and so I went on his diet, but the problem was while it was really high in vegetables and omega-3s and water, it was also high in animal protein. It was supposed to be, you know, free range and all that stuff, kind of like how paleo is now, but, you know, 13 years ago. Uh -huh. And I had been vegetarian since I was a kid because I loved animals. And so I did not – I ate tons of dairy and eggs every day, but I did not eat any meat. So he made me give up my uh, – my dairy products and my eggs, he goes, all that saturated fat and dairy products are making you fat. We can't do it. Not that I was fat, but they are the most fattening things you can eat. He goes, and, um, and so instead of the meat for protein, you know, I had like tofu and things like that. And so I accidentally became 100% plant-based. <laughs> so between, between, between his protocol and your dietary preferences, you accidentally inve invented a whole food plant-based diet. Yes. And not just that, it's what we call a hyper-nourishing diet. So there's a lot of whole food plant-based diets out there, uh, and they are great for your health, but not all of them rapidly reverse disease. And that's why I do have a lot of clients that are on plant-based diets that are not getting full reversal of their illness until they add the hyper-nourishment part, which is what I teach a lot of, you know, um, really high doses of raw greens and omega-3s and water and things like that. So it was super nourishing. And what happened was within three months, I went from a size 11 to a size 3. I looked amazing. But for the first time since I'd been sick, I had tons of energy. And I mean energy. Like I would work a 30-hour shift at the hospital and then go to the gym before I went home. <laughs> like, like, you know, that's unnatural for someone who's, who's healthy, right? But for someone with lupus, that's crazy, right? But I felt that good. Um, my sleep was extraordinary. I had no more migraines. I had no more arthritis. I, I felt really good. And right before the wedding, I went to my new doctor in California because my doctors I grew up with were in Pennsylvania. And I moved to California to, to do my residency at UCLA Harbor. And uh, so I had a new doctor who had all my old charts, but had never done my blood test before. And he said that uh, there was a mistake in my blood work. So I, he wanted me to come back from the wedding and retake them. And I said, what mistake? And he goes, well, I've read your charts. You know, you obviously have severe lupus, um, but these tests are negative for lupus. <laughs> and, and I went, well, that's weird because that does even in remission, remission, you're, you know, is when you're stable. You still always test positive for lupus. It doesn't just it just doesn't happen. So I went, okay, that's, that, that's definitely a mistake. So I came back from my wedding and did it again, still tested positive for lupus, or still tested negative for lupus. My clotting antibodies disappeared, that the one that was causing the blood clots. My cholesterol, which I was told was genetically high, nothing to do with cheese, uh, that was now normal. Uh, my blood pressure dropped 30 points, <laughs> and it continued on and on. And so uh, that was 13 years ago. And I still stayed on my meds for an extra year after that because there's nothing in the medical literature that said that lupus can go away. So, you know, you don't have mini strokes and then stop blood thinners, right? That doesn't make any sense in the medical world. 
But after a year of taking my meds, I said, what am I taking these meds for? My, I, I'm negative. And he goes, and my doctor said, you're treating my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> so I went off my meds then. And so, yeah, this will be 13 years that um, I've had completely negative tests for lupus or any disease at all. Um, extraordinary health and vitality. I've had two beautiful sons. Uh, one's four, one's eight. And there is no reason why I won't be able to grow old with my husband and live an extraordinary life with him. And so that's why, you know, when I healed, that's when my husband and I realized that something extraordinary had happened. And we went back and we reverse engineered. All I'd done was change my diet. And we reverse engineered that looking at cellular biology, working with biochemists. And we realized we'd accidentally created the most anti-inflammatory diet possible. And we ran people through the programs and we could repeat the results. Lupus, Sjogren's, MS, rheumatoid arthritis. Everybody got better. And uh, some people reversed completely. Other people just got so much better they could come off their meds, but they might have one or two abnormal tests, but zero symptoms. I mean, it was just extraordinary and, and made no sense according to everything I'd learned in my medical training. And so uh, that's what we've decided, you know, that, that we needed to dedicate our lives to helping other people heal and for me, helping them live their purpose. And my husband always says he wants everyone else to get to grow old with their true love the way he gets to now. And so oh. that's what we do now. We, we dedicated ourselves to, to helping people heal. So did he change his diet? He did. It took him a while. Uh, originally, he was still doing his version of it with animal protein. And um, his reason was <laughs> that, you know, here he is. He is known, you know, well known for being the celebrity trainer. He's super muscular. You know, he's six foot, 200 pounds, you know, very muscular guy. And he was worried that if he gave up meat, his muscles would leave. You know, and he, you know, I'd started searching online and trying to find that. And, and he said, you know, there was no, there was no consistent plan that was plant-based. You know, some people were, had muscles, some didn't, but did their muscles come before they gave up meat or this and that, you know, he just, it wasn't convincing to him. And I said, listen, you have a family history of heart disease, colon cancer. So you're healthy and strong now, but the way you're eating could still, you could look fit and strong and still be destroying your inner organs, right? So, um, so I finally said to him, I used a little bit of psychiatry and a, a little bit of female Jedi and said, um, you know, if anybody could figure out how to build muscle on a vegan diet, it would be you. Ooh. Uh, and he went, you're right. I'm going to do it. It's a niche market. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to help these people get strong. And then he was planning to come back to eating meat. But four days into eating 100% plant-based, he felt so extraordinary. And it was really an emotional change for him. He, uh, he felt very connected to the planet, to the animals, to everything. And uh, he started crying. And he just felt, he said, you know, I've never before felt the impact of what I did in my diet on the planet. And I feel it now. And he goes, I will never, ever go back to eating animals. And he never has. And now he's a hardcore proponent of really using nutrition to save lives and also to protect the planet and everyone who lives on it as well. So yeah, he made a complete <laughs> transformation. Um, and he's also done multiple transformations of his own body where he intentionally twice now has lost all of his muscle, takes him about a year of crappy vegan eating to get himself down. And then within 30 to 60 days, he can gain all of it back. And he shows people how to do it completely on plants to prove that he's doing it entirely on a plant-based diet. It's pretty awesome. Ooh, you think I could get him on the podcast too? Absolutely, I think. And he's, a, he's an extraordinary uh, speaker, and he's just so good at what he does. But I told him he doesn't need to do that anymore. I married a guy with a six-pack. He doesn't need to keep, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, sounds like pretty you know? extreme method acting there. To... You know, 
he tests everything on himself first. And he really thought that's what was missing is that if you see a guy who's 200 pounds full of muscle and then he goes plant-based and he's still muscular, how do you prove that muscle's not left over from his previous diet? Sure. So that's what he did. He lost it all. And then he did a video every day showing him putting it back on. And one of the funniest things was I went to the gym one day and I was wearing a vegan shirt and this guy at the gym goes, I just went vegan. I went, really? He goes, yeah, there's this guy who keeps coming to the gym, this bald guy. And every day he's bigger than the day before. And he told me he's vegan. So I'm vegan too. I'm like, I know that bald guy. <laughs> that oh, was good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear baldness is part of the, uh, well, of there's the no sexier look for a man than, than a shaved head. That's my favorite. <laughs> Oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> when you have a good face, who needs the hair, right? Yeah, he's he's been pretty much bald our whole marriage. And I you know, ever since John Luke Picard, I've been a proponent of that. Because <laughs> ah. <laughs> I, I I think my, my kids think I look a little bit more like um Gollum than uh, than Captain Picard. <laughs> Gollum. No, not Gollum at all. <laughs> But, you know, my, my husband gets mistaken for The Rock a lot, which is so funny because The Rock is like four times larger, you know. So we, <laughs> he calls himself the pebble when they say that, you know. <laughs> so, so you had just finished med school. Mm-hmm. You, you understood lupus, you know, really well from, well, from medical the medical perspective, right. perspective. So you knew how to treat it. Did you, did, at that point, did you feel like you understood why you got lupus or was it just like, it happens sometimes or, you know, how did, how did you think about it in terms of causality and how do you think about it now? You know, when it comes to Western medicine, it's really interesting. They don't put a lot of emphasis on understanding the triggers for disease. We kind of always just gloss over it as, well, you have different genetics and your genetics are for different illnesses and something happens and those genes kick in. But what's really interesting and what I understand now is you have to trigger those genes, right? And so they do have some theories about it. You know, so lupus usually develops in women more than men and usually develops either during um, late adolescence or during pregnancy. So hmm, there might be a hormonal trigger, but not always. I've had multiple clients now that are between 8 and 12 years old that have lupus or other autoimmune diseases. And sometimes they develop late on as well. But there's these, you know, ideas. And then there's people out there exploring, maybe it's, you know, environmental pathogens or this or that. And, you know, what I, what I've come to understand is that, you know, we all have, yes, genes for different illnesses, right? That's just the deck, the hand of cards we're, we're dealt but that's not the, you don't have to trigger those genes. It's kind of like, you know, I learned in medical school, one of the most trans, transmitted genetic diseases is type 2 diabetes. You can tell that just runs in families. You'll see just, you know, I have neighbors where just, you know, everybody uh, has that disease. Everyone gets their, their kidneys transplanted at some point. You know, there's just this common thing. And so it very strongly runs in families. But if someone in that family is a vegan marathon runner, he will never get type 2 diabetes. He can't, right? You don't see a skinny guy with that, right? So we know that you have to trigger those diseases by what we do, right? By what our environment is. And the, and the cause of the environment in our body is what we put into our body. And so you can literally trigger those genes. So for me, the lupus, I think it had more to do with the fact that I grew up I was a vegetarian, but I was eating macaroni and cheese, Chef Boyardee. I ate pizza every day because my parents owned Domino's Pizza stores. So I had pizza oh. every day for lunch and a lot of times for dinner, too, because they would be exhausted when they came home and dinner would be pizza, too. Uh, tons of Doritos. I'd eat the entire large bag of Doritos. I mean, I was eating processed foods and dairy products and eggs 
every day and tons of them. And that is why I got sick because when I stopped doing that and I switched to eating really healthy plant foods, I untriggered those genes. And I have no sign of any disease in my body at all. And that's what I've been able to do for other people as well. So it gives people a lot of hope uh, to know that whatever those genes are, that's not what you're stuck with. You do have control. You do have power. And so, you know, one of my um, one of the members, we have a free online group called Smoothie Shred that we've created a community of people who are doing green smoothies because that's how we teach people to get all your nutrients in. Put a straw and drink it. It's a lot easier. So uh, somebody just posted in that community that when people criticize her for how she eats, uh, you know, the thing that she thinks about is I've chosen to be in control of my life, that people can say what they want. They can eat what they want. They can get sick if they want. But I'd rather eat well and be in control of my life than be giving in to cravings and addictions. And I feel amazing. And that's what matters. And that's what I love to see. Mm. So when you're out of med school, you make this accidental discovery. You do yes. something that medical science doesn't think is possible. Did that change your relationship to medicine? Did you feel like this was a waste of time or did, you know, did your colleagues embrace your truth or like what, what happened at that point? It must have been some sort of like identity crisis. Not really. No. What's interesting is at first I didn't realize what had happened. So you have to realize I'd grown up with lupus. And so it was just a it was a fact of my existence. And even going through medical school, it was a fact that I had it and I would always have it. That's what I believed. And so even when my symptoms were gone and my tests were negative, I still thought I had lupus, you know, because there was no frame of reference for it leaving. It doesn't leave. In fact, mm -hmm. if you go to, you know, the Lupus Foundation website, it describes what lupus is and it says it is chronic. And if if your tests become negative again, you never had it to begin with. <laughs> uh -huh. like, just no, you had something else that you thought was lupus. Now, granted, I had it for 12 years, tested positive for 12 years, had kidney failure, blood clots. There's no way in hell I didn't have it. But that's really what it says. It's like, you know, if you have it, you have it forever. And if it goes away, you didn't have it. That, that's the best Western medicine has to say. So it just wasn't a reality. It wasn't until – so. I finished residency and I just kept eating that way because I felt great. I felt great. I looked great. Why would I change anything? Right. I added back, you know, some more plant based foods and things like that, more cooked foods, other things, but always kept up my high vegetables and my omega threes, my water, all that stuff. And I stayed healthy. And when I finished my fourth year residency and I was still testing negative, feeling great, that's when I decided I wanted to try having a baby. And everybody lost their mind. My husband was like, you told me that would kill you. Why the heck would I ever want to do that? My mom wanted to carry the baby for me. My best friend wanted to carry the baby for me. Um, everyone was just terrified that, you know, why, if you're healthy, why would you take a chance of killing yourself, you know, with having a baby? And I just, I felt it to myself that I was healthy and that I could do it. I just, and I was having these dreams. And I, when I would dream at night, I'd be holding my baby and I'd wake up missing him. I was kind of getting oh. crazy. Like I just, and I like, I just feel like this is what I meant to do. And uh, it took a lot of convincing, but ultimately, um, my husband was terrified, but ultimately we, we did get pregnant and, um, and my OBGYN, I told, she asked me what my, my health history was, you know, it's a new doctor. And I told her I used to have lupus and she went, excuse me, there's no use to have lupus. You have, yeah. holy crap. And so doctor OBGYNs do not like pregnant people with lupus because it's so deadly. It's so dangerous. So they sent me to the high risk OBGYN 
And the high risk person tested me and did my exam and said, you're perfectly healthy. I'm not following you and sent me back. And so my OBGYN was freaking out. They all said the lupus was going to come back during the pregnancy. When it didn't come back during the pregnancy, they said it was going to come back as soon as I gave birth. Uh, I went, I had my baby. I actually had a C-section because my, my son was uh, breech. He was butt first and there was no way to turn him around. So, uh, and I felt fine even after the C-section. I was looking for lunch, walking around after having a C-section and they couldn't believe it. And what happened was I went home, I had a great milk supply, I recovered quickly, and nine days after I had my son, it was my birthday. And my mom said, listen, she was staying with us at the time to help me out with the baby, and she said, why don't you run across the street and have dinner for your birthday, I'll call you when the baby wakes up so you can run home and nurse him. So I was gonna put clothes on for the first time since I had my baby. I've been in pajamas every day. You have kids, right? So I mean, first I have a baby, I lived in pajamas and nursing tank tops, that's what I was in. So I went, okay, I got to put clothes on to go out to dinner. And I just grabbed a pair of jeans that I had, I wore before I was pregnant and they fit nine yeah. after I gave birth. My, it fit perfectly. And my husband immediately grabbed the camera and did a photo shoot. Cause he's like, this is going to be great for my business because <laughs> you know, I see women who have had a baby who's 20 years old and they still say they can't lose their baby weight. And you look like you never had a baby. Right. So, um, that's when we realized, we said, wait a minute, this isn't natural. Most women do not just lose their baby weight laying on the couch nursing and eating uh, nine days after they give birth. Um, and here I am, someone who's supposed to have lupus, who's still testing negative and feeling great. And that's when we realized that something had changed on a real cellular level, that I actually did not have an illness anymore, and that my body was responding in real time to whatever I asked it to do, have a baby, be healthy, whatever I needed, my body just did it like that. And that's when we realized something really has changed. This is not just a remission, but I am not the same person I was. And that's when we started going back and doing research. And we took a couple of years of really reverse engineering, looking at the science, testing it in people before we ever came out with it. So I didn't really start using the protocol on people until much later. But even then, I've never felt that anything was wasted in my life. I just don't think that way. I believe that every single step of my path was perfect. You know, it mm. led me to where I am. And for a lot of people, they say that my story and the fact that I'm a medical doctor makes it was the reason they were willing to change their diet. That they've heard other people talk about diet and plant-basedness and that, but they didn't really believe it. But knowing that I'm a Western medical doctor, I've done genetic research in leukemia and neurobiology in college, I've done, I've, you know, that I'm a real scientist, a real doctor who also had a real disease that's now healthy, that those factors together is what inspired them to change. And so I think all of that is great. And I still practice Western medicine. I just am different in that I believe that medicines are a tool, but they're not going to heal you. We need both. We need to change your lifestyle and your diet and just use meds to keep you alive until you can heal by doing the things you need to do to help your body. Right. How, how do your colleagues respond to that? Do they, do they give credence to your story? Do they think it's an anomaly? You know? no, most doctors I meet are fascinated and excited. You know, When I give a talk to a big room of people that's a mixed crowd, there's always a bunch of people run to the back to talk to me when I'm done, but the doctors run back the fastest. And usually they're asking me if I, that I can help one of their family members. You know, like they're really excited. Your ANA was negative? What? What happened? You know, they, they love it. Um, sometimes when I get referrals, 
I mean, I have real doctors that refer to me now. When I first started doing this, every single person who came to me said their doctor told them that there's no way this is going to help you. This is craziness, you know. Um, but now I have doctors that refer to me. In fact, I have multiple. I have two doctors in my healing program right now. I have a six-week online group healing program, and I have two doctors that are in it. And I've had a doctor in the last group too. Uh, so the doctors are really excited by it. And yes, there's some old school people who they haven't read the research and they just don't know. You know, if they don't believe in it, they haven't been paying attention. You know, it's just there's enough information out there that nutrition impacts health that it's silly for me to people discount it. So, you know, I treated someone who is the chief of medicine at her hospital. And after healing with me, she now requires all residents and rheumatologists to read my book, Goodbye Lupus. You know, so the medical world is changing. So it's both ways now. There's some people who've never heard of me or never heard of this and they still think nothing's going to help. And then there's the group who are literally referring to me. There's doctor's offices that, that have my book on the shelves that sell my book to their patients. So um, the, the healthcare revolution is happening. And that makes me really happy. It's not fast enough for all the people who are sick right now, but it's happening. And I think there's going to be dramatic changes over the next 20, 30 years in how medical you know, care is given. And it's got to include nutrition or it's going to be malpractice, in my opinion. Mm, that's a great line. Um. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I can't remember who, who said the quip, but it goes, um, okay, so it works in practice, but does it work in theory? So I'm wondering if people are interested or if you're interested in doing the kind of peer-reviewed intervention studies that can turn this from like a, an anecdote and a few people into the kind of science that makes it into, you know, JAMA and uh, the Lancet and... Uh, you know, things that, that will, that will uh, influence even the most, you know, dyed-in-the-wool um, yes. traditional yeah, that, that, That's been happening. You know, I actually, I've been in talks with multiple major uh, medical institutions over the past year about doing a clinical trial using my protocol. Um, I, it's got to be right before it can take off, you know, so I'm still holding back to make sure. Because for me, if it's going to be a huge clinical trial, it's got to be done right. Because if they do a huge clinical trial and they don't follow the protocol exactly and they don't get the same results, then that'll also be used as a reason for people to say, see, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and so we've got to be really careful. For example, you know, if you look at like Neil Barnard has done uh, research in diabetes and plant-based diets and they had a positive result that showed that people got better blood sugar control on a plant-based diet. But the clinical trial didn't have anywhere near the dramatic results that he gets in his patients and that he treats privately, right? Because it's not the same. It's not the same, you know, having a, a stranger say, here, eat this and call you once a week and say, what did you eat? Versus having a caring person who's checking it. Like my clients who do my programs, I check in with them every day. Mm. So, um, so for me, I want to be able, if we're going to take it to that big level, I want to give the same level of care. I want them to feel supported and get the information that they need every day to make sure that they get it right so that they can get those results. So we're in talks and there's places that are eager. They really, really want to take off and start the trials. Um, but I just want to make sure that it's right, but it's absolutely something that's in the works. Gotcha. So when did you discover that there was a community of plant-based people, you know, who, were, who weren't just sort of, you know, hippie vegetarians, but, you know, scientists who were, uh, who were promoting and studying this kind of diet to prevent and reverse disease, even if it wasn't exactly your hypernutritious diet? Yeah, so I 
didn't know that I was reinventing a wheel in some ways. You know, my, my husband and I had never heard of anything like what we had experienced. And so we created this protocol from scratch, you know, looking at cellular nutrition on our own. And it wasn't until I believe, I want to say 2012, that I first discovered that there were other people out there. First, I read about Gerson, who was treating TB with nutrition many, 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 many years ago, right? And so he was able to reverse TB with nutrition. And then they found a drug that could help and they just stopped the nutrition part because it's easier to give people a medicine, even though that medicine is horrific. Um, so that was shocking to me. So then I went, wait, are there other people that have done this since then? And so that's when I discovered T. Colin Campbell. And uh, I absolutely love his book. I mean, he's a, he's a researcher. He's not a clinician. He's not an MD, but he's a PhD who's done research in nutrition. And he's, you know, discovered that dairy is, is a cancer promoter on the DNA level. His research is extraordinary. Uh, and then from him, I started to learn about other physicians as well. And it was a wonderful feeling. I'm now friends with people who do what I do. You know, um, I love like I'm a good friend, Dr. Clapper, um, and um, I just spent the day with Dr. Cobble Esselstyn and his whole family, and we were talking about how our plans to heal the world together. Um, it was <laughs> extraordinary to now be in a community of people who are truly caring people, uh, doctors who not only understand how to use nutrition to heal people, but are determined. To help people learn the information. So it's really been extraordinary, but I had no idea about that till I want to say about 2012. Wow. So I, I know you have programs that you take people through, so I don't, I don't want you to, you know, give, give away the farm, but I, Oh, I'm happy um, to. I, I teach all the information for free. I don't want anyone to ever think that you have to be able to pay to get the information you need to heal. I think that that's, that's horrible. That's why, I mean, I've been teaching webinars for free all week. Uh, I stay up late after I put my kids to bed and teach. I teach for an hour and then I answer questions for another hour live um, because I want people to have the information. The only thing I charge money for is, is my time, like if people want me to help them heal. But you can ask me any questions about my Okay, well, that, I'm happy to in, in that case, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned um, smoothies. Yes. And then you then you mentioned Dr. Esselstyn, and mm -hmm. the two don't usually go together. So, um, <laughs> you know, like it's it's kind of a weird thing in the plant based community when you go to these events. It's like there's there's this psychological um, sort of one upsmanship where you know, well, I'm plant based, I'm whole food plant based, I'm no oil, I'm um, high raw, I'm all raw, I do greens, I juice, oh, you shouldn't juice, you're losing the fiber, oh, you shouldn't use smoothies, we don't drink our calories. Mm. Like, where, how, how do you navigate all that? Where, do, you know, how do you have discussions with people? And what, what have you, like, what have you found is the ultimate diet for people who want your kind of energy and who want to get the, the kind of astounding results you've gotten? Okay, so that's kind of a two-part question. So how do I deal with the people who have different opinions than me, and then how do people optimize their diet for healing? So yeah, why, why, why don't we start with the why – yeah, I got carried away in that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was – yeah. Um, but so, so the community – Let's talk right? about the diet first. So Okay, the diet first. Okay. So um, – so the nutrients that most rapidly heal people are going to be phytonutrients, right? So nutrients that come in plants, the antioxidants, the phytoenzymes, all of the wonderful things that come from plants are what our cells actually use for healing. In addition to that, omega-3 fatty acids are vital 
People who do plant-based diets who aren't getting omega-3s, they plateau in their healing uh, or they're unable to fully heal. Those uh, omega-3 fatty acids not only become part of your cellular membrane that allow your cells to signal and receive signals properly, but they also become the anti-inflammatory immune cells. How do you get rid of inflammation without anti-inflammatory immune cells, right? And omega-3s must be consumed. They can't be created within our body. Um, and then higher volumes of water. A lot of people don't pay attention to that. But without extreme hydration, the chemical reactions that take place for healing actually can't happen. We need water as one of the ingredients in order to create uh, that response of rapidly decreasing inflammation, increasing metabolism, all of that. In addition, water is what fills up the padding in our joints as well. So those are really important components that are often missing from a traditional plant-based diet. So while you can eat um, all of the whole foods plant-based diet, that's great you know, beans and cooked uh, vegetables. I agree that uh, that no oil is better. Um, people on my diet still use some olive oil. It just because it doesn't create inflammation, but it's still not good for you. I was talking to Essie about that, that I agree that it can create some damage to the endothelium. If you have heart disease, probably shouldn't do that at all. But it doesn't create inflammation, which is what my expertise is in, right? So even the people who use it, it's like a spray bottle, spray the bottom of your pan so it doesn't stick, not like pouring, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's better to avoid oils, it's better to have whole food, plant-based diet, but you also want to make sure that you are nourishing yourself with the raw phytonutrients. So the people in my programs usually get up to about a pound of greens a day, and you can eat those raw if you want to, you can have big salads and things, but my husband and I realized about... Gosh, I want to say maybe seven years ago, the smoothie solution where we could put those greens into a blender. And we don't do like when we talk about green smoothies, we're not talking about the ones you Google and you find it's all fruit and there's like a handful of greens in there. They like anoint it with some greens and then it turns green. They call it green. That's not what we're talking about. That's a fruit smoothie. We do 75% greens like we and pack it with our hands like 75% greens. Then we add a handful of flax or chia seeds for our omega threes. And then we put in fruit for flavor. And it could be fresh or frozen because we're just using the fruit for flavor, not for nutrients. And then you put in water or plant-based milk and blend that up. And you can put a straw in it and you can get your nutrients that way. And what we found is we get just as good results. So when people ask, like, why do you use the smoothies? Some people think smoothies work, some don't. I use them because they work. Everything I teach people is based on what actually works. So we, we investigated the science. We tested it. We investigate, we tested it. We only teach people what works for every person, not just what works for some. There's no results, not typical crap. It's if it works, it works. And so what we found is not only could we get the same results with the smoothie, we're getting better results because people were doing it every day. Not everybody was willing to chew all that. But if they got into a habit of every morning, they made their full blender and they just drank that all day long while they were doing their work or other things, they did it. And they get results really rapidly. And I've had people who have had chronic pain, debilitating pain, ready to go on disability for 20 years or more, who are pain-free within a week. And they're doing the smoothies. So Okay, so, so, <laughs> so there's a bunch of people who are listening now, who they're, they're at home in their kitchen, and they want, to, they want to pause and go make themselves a smoothie. Good. <laughs> they also give you extraordinary amounts of energy. I mean, you just get blasted with vitamins and minerals all at one shot and you feel amazing. And that's what fuels me. That's why people always think I'm kind of hypomanic. No, I'm just really energized. <laughs> so so what, kind, what kind of greens? Can they be frozen? Can you just got like buy the bags of like a pound of frozen greens or do they have to be yeah, fresh? Yeah, you have or? to be fresh. So, you know, there is some nutrition lost when you freeze things. And there's even more nutrition lost when you cook them. So with your greens, you want those to be fresh. The fruit, I don't care. That's a spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down. 
you just uh, you can make those fresh or frozen. Doesn't matter if you use fresh. Make sure you put ice because you don't want a hot smoothie. It's pretty gross. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the greens you want them to be fresh. Okay, so so someone who does this would just, um, I mean, a pound of fresh greens, like a, a bunch of fresh greens, is like three four ounces. So like, do your people like their entire fridge is full of, of greens, or they're going shopping twice a day? Like, how, how do people? So they usually end up that? shopping like every three days or so. Um, most people end up using like if you go to Costco, you can buy those giant bags of greens that are one and a half pounds. And so we usually buy like three bags at a time and that's how we do it. Uh, you can use your fresh ones too. And then what happens is you get used to what it looks like. So in the beginning, you're either using, you know, they also sell containers that are a pound. So in the beginning, you might be using containers or you might be weighing out if you're using your garden or you're buying fresh bunches. But once you get used to it, you can eyeball and know how much it is. So um, usually 75% of the blender is about three quarters of a pound and people can either eat the rest or they can go even more hardcore with less fruit and fill it up the rest of the way. Depends on the person. But we usually start people out with just 75% of your blender. And that's the other reason we created our smoothie shred community is all pe- people that don't even have to be vegan in that community. They just have to commit to drinking their blender of smoothie every day and uh, posting pictures of it empty. And we've got over 5,000 people in there from all over the world who love it. And, um, and so they get, we also give away free recipes there too, for exactly how to make your smoothies. And my husband gives free exercise, uh, programs and advice in there as well. So anyone who can't afford to work with us can still get recipes and support, um, just within that community as well. How do people find that? It's smoothieshred.com. S-M-O-O-T-H-I-E-S-H-R-E-D.com. So if you go to that website, you can see the recipes. And then if you want to be in our Facebook support group, there's a spot on that page where you can uh, fill in your information and, and it'll take you to our private group. Gotcha. Okay, so so that sounds like that's kind of the centerpiece mm-hmm. of, of the diet. Um, our, I don't know how many calories are in the... That, that blender of smoothie, I'm guessing not many, maybe like if it's a pound, like 110 calories from the greens. Actually, no. Uh, my husband has measured it. I should call him in here. It was over a thousand. I think it ends up being, um, oh, I'm going to message him right now because I always forget the number. He always tells me I'm terrible with numbers and he's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember every word that someone tells me, but I, I never uh, remember numbers. I always add to them or subtract from them. So I'm going to message him to find out, but it ends up being, I want to say it was last time he checked it, that it was 1700, but I'm not sure. I'm going to message him right now. He's in okay. the room. Cool. And see, but it's interesting. I mean, calories is a, is a very sensitive thing to talk about. Um, one it's, it's not, it really doesn't make any sense, uh, in terms of looking at how the body does things. So, all right. I'm going to text him how many calories in our smoothie. All right, I'm going to text him. We'll see. Um, so, but, you know, when people look at calories, calories tells you how much energy is expelled by a food when you burn it, right? And so mm-hmm. that assumes that every single calorie in that smoothie is going to be used for energy. And if you don't use it for energy, it's going to be stored as fat. That's what the assumption is when you're looking at calories. And that is like valuing uh, how much, what the value is of your house by how hot it burns when you set it on fire. <laughs> All right. So it just, it doesn't really tell you anything about the food. So my husband just answered me back. The uh, smoothie has 1200 calories. Okay. 
Now, the reason why this is not an issue and it really shouldn't matter is that what's in the smoothie are the nutrients we need. So macronutrients, fat, carbohydrates, protein, they don't really tell you anything about what that food does in your body. It doesn't. So what we need to look and calories are the same way. What we need to look at is micronutrients. What are we doing with the food that's coming in? So if people are worried about gaining weight, if they hear 1200 calories, they'd be like, oh, crap, no way. Right. Um, and then people who are worried about losing weight go, oh, that's good. I'm glad there's some calories in there. It doesn't matter because you cannot get fat on these green smoothies. You cannot put fat on your body doing vegetables, fruits and omega three fatty acids. So it's just not physically possible to make fat out of that. What it does is create a really healthy metabolism that will do whatever you ask it to do. So we've had people who are underweight do my programs. And when someone's in my, for example, my six-week rapid recovery group, they're checking in with me every day. They're on an all-raw protocol, including large volumes of smoothies. And people who are overweight, which is most people, they lose fat very rapidly. But the people who are underweight put weight on, eating raw foods. Because when you get healthy, your body does what you ask it to do. So with the smoothies, really what they do is they create a really rapid metabolism. So in our smoothie shred group, a lot of people join the group because they want to lose weight. And what we tell them to do in that program is add the smoothies to your current diet. So you would think if you add all that smoothie on top of what you're already eating, if calories were just calories, then you would gain weight. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happens. You can add the smoothies to your current diet and you'll actually burn calories more effectively because you increase your metabolism. So you don't want to look at calories. It's a very old-fashioned way of looking at things that gets way too much attention and means nothing. I have no idea how many calories I eat in a day. I eat till I'm full all day long. I feel great. That's what I look at. Um, but it's probably a lot more than people think. Right. Well, I was, I was thinking, like, if, if that's all they're eating, um, like, you can't – I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking, you know, I, I've had people who came to me who wanted to lose weight, and I discover – that they've been on a, like a nine to 1200 calorie per day diet for five years. And at that point, like nothing's working. Right. Cause anymore. they, they crash their metabolism. Right. Yeah. And so can these smoothies yeah. help yes. to, to heal that metabolism so that they can then eat normally? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, uh, when people eat low calorie, they're usually eating foods that are not very nutrient dense either. They're not getting enough food. We do hyper nourishment. So we want to constantly oversupply the body with the foods you need to heal. So in addition to doing the smoothies, you can eat unlimited other uh, foods, you know, they're, they're, as long as they're whole foods, plant based. And if you're in my healing program, I want them raw. Um, but it's really not about calories. It's about the micronutrients that's in the food. And so you can absolutely add them to any diet and you will get the result you want. If you're trying to put on muscle, you'll put on muscle faster because a fast metabolism lets you do whatever you ask it to do. Uh, if you're trying to lose fat, you'll lose fat faster. And so uh, that's what's been so beautiful about it. It's the same exact nutrition that can allow someone to get a six pack in you know, a few weeks to go on the cover of a magazine. Is the same exact nutrition plan that can get rid of arthritis. It's just really neat. So it's really just about supplying your body with what it needs to do the job it's meant to do, which is to keep you healthy. And, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. I, I could answer about, you know, when you were asking about the community, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, so there's been, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, we're all in it, all the different doctors are teaching plant-based nutrition. We all have the same goal, which is to get people healthy. But we all came from different places in order to do it. And uh, there was a couple uh, doctors 
that were saying stuff about smoothies, that were saying that they didn't think that they were a good idea because of fiber being separated or because they thought that they could make you gain weight or all these different things. And, um, and I've talked to those people, and I can tell you that those people now do smoothies uh, hmm. because those theories were based on what they thought. They were not based on actually testing them. And so that's uh -huh. really, really important is to not just go by, because all of all smart people have opinions. Hey, everyone has opinions, right? They say everyone has a, an opinion and something and a mouth, let's say, right? So um, everybody's got an opinion. I don't like to talk about opinions because for me, this isn't a religion. I'm not talking about my beliefs. I'm not talking about my opinions. I only talk about what's actually worked in real people. And so whenever someone gives me an opinion, I challenge them to, okay, that's an interesting thought. Have you tested it? Well, no, I haven't. Cool, let's test it. <laughs> and that's what we do. So, um, and I can tell you those people are now on board uh, with smoothies and uh, and send me referrals as well. So it's um, that that's you know there's always going to be thoughts and arguments in the community. For me, all I'm interested in what works for real people. And I've had so many clients now that have been on traditional whole food plant based diets that couldn't heal, and then they added my smoothies, and then their pain went away. I mean, it just it works, and that's mm. what matters. Yeah. I don't care yeah, about I, being I right. I, I just care about people feeling good. <laughs> Sweet. So it's that when people do raw food diets, I often hear that it's not sustainable. Either it's not sustainable because they have trouble sustaining it from a behavioral perspective, or they can they're good at it, but they stop feeling nourished over time. They just start feeling like they need something cooked. And I'm wondering if you have experience with either of those obstacles. In, in your people. So what I hear you say is that sometimes when people go on plant-based diet, they just find it really hard to sustain, whether it's just they, they start craving other foods or they just find it difficult to keep going. Um, what you need to understand is my, my protocol is for healing is different than my maintenance protocol for afterwards. So when I'm trying to get somebody as healthy as I can in the shortest period of time possible, then I stick with all raw and I focus on my healing nutrients in the, in the protocol. And so usually, uh, like for example, my healing group, that is a six week program. So for six weeks, they are completely raw, but eating only the most nourishing foods in high amounts with my supervision. They check in every single day. It's a secret Facebook group, so no one can see them. Um, and I'm constantly giving them feedback and encouragement and every single day for six weeks. So I make sure they can sustain it for that six weeks. After the six weeks is over, then they have the opportunity to decide what they do next. So for some people, they loved the protocol so much, they stay raw. And other folks, most folks, though, uh, we do a step down where we keep the healing nutrients. So they keep their smoothies, they keep their omega-3s, they keep the water intake, but they add back cooked plant foods. And people find that extremely easy to maintain. Uh, that's how I live my life, too. I usually am raw during the day when I'm sitting and seeing clients all day. Um, you know, my practice is entirely online. So I sit at my desk on Skype and online all day long, and I chug my smoothies while I work, and I feel great. And then when I'm done for the day... Then I leave and I go to my kitchen and I usually have some lentils or some tofu and broccoli that's been cooked or things like that. And, uh, and I love that. And then when I go out to eat, I can eat, I have what I call recreational eating. So there's nutritional eating for ourselves and then there's recreational eating. When you're healthy, you can have recreational eating too. I'll go out to a restaurant and maybe have some fake meats or it might even have some oil or processed food in it. 
And my body can handle that because that's a paper cut. And if you're healthy, a paper cut goes away within a day, right? If you're <laughs> sick, a paper cut could lead to an infection that could lead you to lose a limb, right? Like diabetics do. So my protocol, I've been told, is actually one of the simplest to follow because you go really aggressively in the beginning so that you can get to remission as quickly as possible. Then you switch into a maintenance mode where you keep your healing nutrition, whole food plant-based diet with smoothies or raw foods, however you like them. And you can also have recreational food as well when you want to, and you're not going to get sick again. I'm, I'm going to Costco as, as soon as my workday is done. This, uh, this, this makes a ton of sense. And I've, um, you know, and, and, and the fact that it is sort of proven and based on actual experience, and it just, it just sounds very simple. Like you were able to explain it in a couple of minutes, like this is, this is what we eat and this is how we do it. And I can totally see myself doing it. And I feel like I'd, I don't have to throw away my Vitamix. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, damn, the damn thing was expensive. I got really sad when I heard that smoothies were terrible for me. <laughs> Right. And it's not the case. I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of nutrition mythology out there and somebody states an idea and then it gets shared on Facebook. And next thing you know, everyone believes it, but it's not based on anything. And mm. what we've seen over and over again over the years is people add smoothies to their diet and they get healthier and fitter and they feel amazing. Uh, no one's ever had an oxalate overdose. No one's ever had any kind of problems. You know, so there's <laughs> a lot of mythology out there trying to convince people not to not to eat vegetables or not to drink them. But in reality, People do great on them, and that's what really matters. I mean, the only people I see who struggle with smoothies are people whose guts are so unhealthy from eating really terrible foods that they don't have bacteria that know how to digest fiber. Um, but that doesn't mean smoothies are bad for them. That means they need some help getting their gut healthy again because they are so unhealthy already. You know, we get them on probiotics, things like that. But they're really extraordinary, and it's very easy to sustain. I mean, I've had people who are on junk diets. And they're willing to drink the smoothie, whereas they would never eat a salad. So it's actually been really, really a great way to help people get healthy and healing um, without really that much work. Gotcha. So it sounds like you offer all this stuff for free, all the education, all the questions, the, the detailed questions I would want to ask for myself. I'm just going to go look them up on smoothieshred.com. <laughs> For people who want, and I've already got a list that I've been scribbling of people that, you know, I know with Sogrun's and, and rheumatoid arthritis and other autoimmune conditions that I'm immediately going to send this audio to, you know, before it's edited or anything, just like get it out there right now. Um, but for people who want to follow you, who want to take your courses, who want your time, in addition to your incredibly generous um, information and education, where do they go? So if you go to goodbyelupus.com, so just goodbyelupus, it's the name of my book. And so the details of my six steps to healing with supermarket foods are in my book, Goodbye Lupus, uh, in addition to me teaching it for free. Um, and if you go to my website, you can see my program. So right now, my absolute favorite program is my six-week rapid recovery group. And that was the one I mentioned before. And actually, the, uh, the early bird special for that one ends tomorrow night. But that is six weeks of me watching over you. And I created that because as much as I work really, really hard to teach this information, I mean, morning and night, conferences all over the country. I was telling you before I live out of my suitcase, I literally have gone, you know, from 
Texas to California to Vegas to Arizona, all the way back to Texas, up to Vermont, all the way down to Florida and back to Texas just this summer. Right. So I am constantly trying to share the word and teach people, but they're still not getting it right. It's a very precise protocol um, and it takes a lot of support. And so I created this group as a way that I could really hold people's hands and inspire them and help them every single day. So that's my favorite thing to do. And you can see that as well. If you go to goodbyelupus.com for people who really want me to help them every day, um, you can see it there and join the group that way. Awesome. All right, so um, we're not going to be published by tomorrow. Do you run this program uh, on an ongoing basis? Will there be another? Well, the next group starts August 17th, and if you publish, if this gets out after August 17th, then yes, it runs about every two months. So it's a six-week group, uh, and usually it takes about two weeks, two to four weeks to get the next group up and running. So uh, it'll be... So we're starting the next one August 17th, so um, so, so probably uh, right around October 1st would be the next one, but I haven't planned the okay. exact date yet. Yeah. Is there but a way for people ongoing. who go to your website to get onto a mailing list so you'll let them know? Uh, the most popular way to know what I'm up to every day would be to um, just get on my Goodbye Lupus fan page on Facebook. So I'm constantly updating there. And then in our Smoothie Shred group as well, I usually update people to what we're doing and where we are and where they could see us live or when the next group is going to be as well. So I'm pretty active on Facebook. Very good. And you can see that on my website too. My website has links to my Facebook and Twitter and all that. Great. Cool. Well, this has been so inspirational for me. I'm, I'm, I'm really ready to, to try this. It, sounds, it makes a ton of sense. And... I really want to thank you, Dr. Goldner, for, for the work you've done, for the inspiration you are to so many, and for taking the time today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited. You better join our Smoothie Shred group, and then we can, uh, we can toast you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for, uh, for getting the word out there for people, because if it isn't for people like you, then, uh, then someone like me can't get, a, get the information out to as big an audience as possible. So I appreciate the work you do to help people get healthy and get the right information. Yeah, I, lo- I love raising the curtain on incredible acts. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, uh, folks, I hope you'll check out SmoothieShred.com and Goodbye Lupus. And Dr. Goldner, thanks again for all you do. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. For more information about that big change program led by me and Josh Lajani, which starts on September 18th, visit bigchangeprogram.com and be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everything Brooke and I talked about at plantyourself.com slash 227. If you're new to the show, you can catch up. 226 archived episodes are over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not my occasional email, the Big Change Bulldog, you can sign up. And to this week, you can get the Oatmeal Project Report. And you can find all that at plantyourself.com slash oatmeal all lowercase. If you would like to support the show, in addition to writing that iTunes review, you can share this and other episodes on social media via email, and you can become a patron of the show with a one-time gift or ongoing contribution over at plantyourself.com. Look on the right sidebar and click on the Patreon link. I'm up to over $350 a month, which is wonderful because it's getting me to a point where I believe that the podcast can be self-supporting and I don't have to keep subsidizing it myself and it'll become a real community effort. 
And if you want to hear some of the names in that community, wait till the very end uh, where I list all the patrons who have allowed me to thank them publicly. In garden news, I harvested the last of the bell peppers and got another batch of basil after cutting it back severely. The okra and the lettuces are starting to come up. We dodged Hurricane Irma, so the garden looks like it's in pretty good shape. And we found a what looks like a pretty good treatment for fire ants. And if you don't know fire ants, they suck. They are these mounds of red ants, and if they get and they swarm like crazy. And if you go near them, they'll climb up your legs and bite, and the bites burn, and then they itch for a week. And we found that um, orange oil mixed with water and molasses seems to take care of them. So um, we didn't have to use anything toxic and we didn't have to uh, go through huge machinations. We've been, we've been uh, fighting against these critters for, for a couple of years now. They seem to be making their way north due to uh, climate change. And uh, so far, fingers crossed, we think we found a way now to keep them at, at least at bay. Um, in running news, I got my uh, Pepperfest Flying Pepper Run on September 24th. If you're local to uh, Chatham County or Orange County, North Carolina, check it out at pepperfestnc.org. And I uh, signed up for the New River Trail 50K, which will be in Freeze, Virginia, on October 14th. It's a uh, great race. It's beautiful. It's 50K along a riverside, and it's an out and back and gorgeous beautiful trail, lots of fun people. And I'd love to see you if you're interested in uh, coming by, drop me a line. Thanks. 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 Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. Check out willridenour.com for more of his music. And here we go. Thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. You know who you are. But I still love saying your names. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Bizek, the Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Dublin, Victoria Dolman, Ovalia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gila Lasser, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio, and Carolyn Argentati, Judy Friesner, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warabeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z. <gasps> Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rise with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Alice, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Deanne Morton, Bonnie Lynch of Plant Happy Oregon, Sabine Kurtzalls, Nigel Davies, Marion Plum, Teresa Copel, Shell Rutledge, Julian Watkins, Reed O'Connell, and Brian Sheridan. <gasps> for your generous support of the podcast, that's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>